been a good minute since we had a breakdown episode. What's up, Podcast World Chat Building? Back at you. This life ain't for everybody. Hope y'all are enjoying the episodes. Had some really, really, really strong guests on lately. I don't know if y'all have been appreciating it as much as we have of these guests coming on, but Matt Sarah, MMA badass, UFC Hall of Famer. Gary LaVox, founding member and lead singer of Rascal Flats. Dave Meltzer, entrepreneurial spirit of America speaker. He was the CEO and president, president and CEO of the sports agent firm that was the inspiration behind the movie Jerry Maguire. Show me the money. David Meltzer, you guys got to listen to that one. You girls got to listen to that one. Third baseman. Guy is rocking the National League this year. Just hit his 20 seventh bomb to match his number 27 on his jersey starting third baseman for the atlanta braves austin riley this one i'm so proud of episode 253 kirsty annis marine veteran amputee helicopter crash in afghanistan her story her accomplishments her influential lifestyle her inspirations and how she is inspiring so many men and women and children today she is going to climb the tallest mountain on all seven continents, and she's completed four already. She has three left to go with one leg. The other one's an amputated leg with a prosthetic. I got to meet her in Sturgis. Her and her mom and dad came to the tent in Jack Daniel's tent. Unbelievable human being. You guys and girls have to listen. Episode 253 of This Life Ain't For Everybody with Kirsty Ennis. Before that, we had Jack Ingram, Texas Music Royalty. I love Jack's music. Before that, Chad Ward, the owner Founder, president, CEO, multi-time barbecue champion, pit master, and founder of Whiskey Bent Barbecue, Chad Ward. And before that was our good buddy, the one and only, keeping them on their toes, Brent Cobb. So we're trying to bring a bunch of diversity to the guests. It's been a minute since we had a Breaking It Down episode. And between our last one and this one, Alex Crosby, <coughs> excuse me, I went to somewhere where you went last year. You went on an off year, covid this was the 81st rally for Sturgis, and I was there. You were at the 80th. The 75th was the biggest. They said that the 81st, because of the significance of the 81, they said it was going to be bigger than the 75th. I don't know what the significance of the 81st rally is. Um I know the significance of one of the biker gangs there is, but there is some kind of significance of why the 81st, maybe it was just because COVID and there's going to be more bikers out, but I've never seen anything like it. And I've never heard anything like it. You can't, you are a snow goose hunter like me. You'll hear snow goose calls in your sleep after you go Mm -hmm. for one day, five days of Sturgis. I still am hearing Harleys and Indian motorcycles. Roaring up and down the streets. What is Sturgis? What is it? I know it's a town in South Dakota, but... They just started converging on it because of the the highway system that goes through there from that part of America, and it's the Black Hills and all of that part of South Dakota? It, it's, it, it, it is some of the coolest riding that – I mean, we're, 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 we're blessed in a different way here in Nevada. You know, you can, you can rip up through the trees and go to Tahoe or go to Donner or go to Almanor. So, so we see, some, you know, some of that cool stuff. But a lot of people from – you know, like the Midwest and, and places like that, there it's flat country and, you know, not real windy roads and things like that. And when you're on a motorcycle, you know, that's what you're looking for is those windy, steep, curvy roads. And man, the, the Black Hills have them. And, and then 
you know, you're in close proximity to Mount Rushmore and a bunch of lakes and streams and, you know, Deadwood, South Dakota's where um, Wild Bill Cody. Wild Bill Hickok was killed. And they got a bunch of cool bars. You know, it's like our Virginia City. It's like an old mining town that, um, you know, has has a bunch of significant, um, you know, Western history. And then, then the wildlife, right? You can see, I think when I was there, I saw wild buffalo, bighorn sheep, mule deer, white-tailed deer. We saw a red fox running through a, a pasture one day. There's coyotes. There's, you know, bald eagle. It's just, if you want to be on a motorcycle, and it's hard to take it all in when you're driving, you know, the motorcycle, but, you know, for passengers or for when you're hanging around, it's just, it's it's unbelievable, man. It's, and it's... It is yep. like the canyons that come out of town and all those rides. You got to be careful, though. There's so many accidents. Yeah. There's even one. The road up to Deadwood has all those X's on it that says, mm-hmm. don't die, don't speed. All I their mean, freeways do, which is kind of scary. Like it's shows, like eerie, they, put, dude. they put these where people die. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them are on these motorcycles during this week because there's so many of them. And then they're passing us going up these curves. And they're. it's like, man, you got to be on your A game. And he, not just motorcycle riders. It's just a regular driver. When we were driving back and forth working, you got to be on your A game because they come out of nowhere mm-hmm. and they're nonstop. When two pass you, you better get ready for like 60 of them coming. And the the whole area though, the locale and the the vicinity of that, of that part of South Dakota is not what you would picture South Dakota being. Cause I've been on the other side of the state on the East side where it's more wetlands and it's flatter and it's more waterfowl, you know, that's where the waterfowl, but this was kind of like being in, uh, like the Virginia city foothills and the yeah. Tahoe basin, right? All of those and the black Hills are beautiful. The ride up to Montana, but what's really interesting. What I was learning was like, there's Sturgis, right? And that's what this event's called. We're going to Sturgis this year. But then on the outskirts of Sturgis are all these little communities that form. Like I kind of put it into the perspective of Burning Man. They're like their own little towns that form for those two weeks. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like, I don't know if Sturgis wanted to push some of this out of that area because it was getting overgrown with it. But these businessmen, like on the properties they owned, it seems like to me, they built the full throttle saloon. They built the Buffalo Chip. And it's these big campgrounds that people just converge on for these two weeks. And that's where all the, the Buffalo Chip had Kid Rock. The Sunday I got there, we, wa- we went and watched Bobby Ritchie play. They had big bands the entire week. And then the Full Throttle had Winona and Tesla and some other bands playing. Um, but it seems like like these little offshoots of Sturges have broken off to where the bikers will go out and camp there. And then they'll ride into town for any of the festivities during the day or be on Main Street or visit the low, the local Sturgis area. But it seems like that area is way bigger than just Sturgis, even though it's still called Sturgis. Did you notice that? Yeah, yeah. That's what we stayed when we went. We stayed in one of the campgrounds. We stayed at the, uh, the I think it was called the Iron Horse Saloon. Yeah. And it was cool because it was like, it was just a campground. But then they had a bar and live music, and then they had like three swimming pools, like in-ground swimming pools that they uh, – Tell me you didn't go in them. No, I, I never did. That's like being in the rehab pool yeah. at Hard Rock and Yeah, Vegas. yeah, you got you to gotta close your mouth when you uh, go in that pool. <laughs> but uh, but what, I, what I think is so cool is that they all just close down after Sturgis is over. It's over. Like for those places, they close. There's only like one bar in the whole yeah. area that stays open year round. Yep. And he, and he advertised. Did you go to that place? What are the kickstand or something like that? Yeah, I, I can't old, remember what it's called. The only but, bar that stays open year round. Yep. And and all the rest of them, you know, like you, th- this place we were at had three in ground pools. 
a full outdoor bar with, you know, a, a stage and all that stuff. And then, a you know, a, a place you could get breakfast. I wouldn't call it a restaurant, but, a, you know, a place you could get breakfast, all the, you know, beer and soda. And, all, and then after the two weeks of Sturgis is done, they just close everything, drain the pools, shut the gates, and they're gone for the, the rest of the year. It's just, it's insane. But the, uh, the, the you know, like the chip and, and the full throttle, they're like, like you said, they're like their own little separate burning men. I I could not believe how big the Buffalo chip was. When they we, said that there was 320,000 people of it that yeah. Sunday night. Two hundred Over 200 of them were watching the Kid Rock show. Have you seen the aerial shots of oh, it? Oh, yeah. It's insane. Did you see those drone shots of the crowd yeah. at the Kid Rock concert? And, that, and, the, and there's people in tents like right behind that. You know what I mean? Like you literally, when we went there the first night, they brought us to the front gate and we were like, now what? You know, like, where's the, where's all the stuff? It was a mile away. And that's what, you know, you take those little golf carts or whatever, but th- they said it's one mile from the front gate to the stage for the live music is one mile away. And you're going through people's camps and, you know, tents where they're staying at trailers. You know, there's dudes that just have their motorcycles sitting there with a sleeping bag on the ground, like that's one of the coolest things I thought about Sturgis was like, you could be looking at like a million dollar motor home, like diesel pusher towing a bunch of like high end Harleys. And then you'll see a, it's like Burning Man. Yeah. Like a 1960s pan head. Yeah. You got a, and a guy hip. sleeping in a, in a, in a sleeping bag. And yeah. Like he saved up all year to be there. Yeah. That's his fuel money for the whole year. Yeah. It's like Burning Man. They, well, you got the guy that saves up all year for a ticket and then you have the guys that come in on a private jet. Yeah. The events for everybody. That's what I saw at Sturgis was, the amount of money per square mile. Oh, I was dude. like blown away by the Harleys and the toy haulers and the trailers. And I mean, there was so many. They said they broke a record this year for the amount of 18 wheelers that came in to bring bikes, loaded with bikes to drop off for people. Oh yeah. I didn't I saw some of the some of the uh famous bike builders, you know, they had like a I don't know if they were all gonna stay there forever. I think they might have like a museum um inauguration of all these like custom bike builders, they all built like a bike that goes on this in this museum. Basically I saw the bike museum at Sturgis, but so I think they all donate these bikes and then that's kind of their like masterpiece for their shop. And they stay there and they had a huge like dinner and you know, whatever you call that inauguration or whatever of this new museum piece. And cause when I went there, that was one of the things that I did miss. Um, a lot of the custom bike builders didn't go. A lot of the vendors in general didn't go on that COVID year. Like you said, it's usually a million people or something like that. And they said there was like 400,000 on the year I went, which was, it was cool in the sense that when we went to like Mount Rushmore and stuff, we could, we could go like right in. You didn't have to wait in line or wait, you know, to park your bike and all that stuff, which they said in years past, you'd sit in line on your Harley for like an hour you know, sweating your butt off waiting to go in and park. We we were able to go right in. But, you know, we did miss out on seeing some of the famous bike builders and vendors and stuff like that that are usually out there selling their stuff. But it, it was cool, man. Would you go back? Well, you know, I was there with Jack Daniels, and they got the big tent there, and they're selling barrels and merch. They got music going on all day. Um, the, Kevin, the barrel man's there. He goes down to the local Sturgis liquor store. He had selected one of his custom barrels, which where your bottle came out of, and um, – they were they had their engraving van there, so you could go up, 
buy your bottle in the store, walk out, give it to the Jack Daniels van. Or now you couldn't take it out, and I think they would bring them to the management at the counter and they put them in line. You could come back and get it later, but you pick the logo you want on it. If you wanted your name on there with your wife or whoever, you could get your something engraved on it. Um, so Jack Daniels has a big presence there. Oh yeah, and it's awesome to see the different type of people that come into their booth. And that's one thing that I saw in Sturgis is when you think biker or biker bar or Hell's Angel or biker, you know, gang, you automatically think fighting and violence and just nonstop disrespect for authority. And I never saw it one time. There was an incident that happened between two of the gangs. I don't want to get into because I don't know. I told you some of the details I knew, but I don't really know 100%. But the amount of respect, I didn't see one fist fight. Not one. Not one shoving match. Not one yelling match. And I was there five days. And I was in the, the Loud American. We were in the Knuckle, which they used to have bare knuckle boxing in that bar. We were in one Eye Jacks for a second, but I got out of there just because it was so packed. Um, but then we went to the Wild Horse. We went to the Iron Horse. We went to the Chip. 350,000 people in a campground. You'd think there'd be a fight and with quote-unquote bikers. I never saw one yelling match, let alone a shoving or a, a, a fist thrown. Yep. That's crazy to me. I never saw one fight the whole time I was there. And they, <laughs> we were there, you know, during all the the turmoil that was going on in the country and all the, the Black Lives Matter movement and all that stuff. And they actually said that they were coming to Sturgis to protest, you know, because they they have this mis, you know, conceived notion that bikers are racist or whatever. And uh, when we were at Sturgis, there were, there were a couple of, I'm not Sturgis, uh, Mount Rushmore, there were a couple of like Black Lives Matter protest people there or whatever. Not one, nobody said a word to him. Everybody was respectful to him. Uh, downtown, they had some uh, some other kind of protest going on. And, and they they got heated downtown, but I think more just because people wanted to try and get them heated. You know what I mean? And you only get to do that for so long. It doesn't matter if you're a biker or not, you know. So, uh, But yeah, I never saw one fight, never saw shoving match, never saw, like you said, it was... For the most part, hundred percent, everybody was just so cool, and you know, you literally the people that camped next to us, we never met them until the day we pulled in there, and, and when we left, you know, you're hugging, saying goodbye because you're you know drinking beers with them, and you know, hanging out all the time, and just dude, they became like friends. You know, it's like you said, I think Burning Man's the same way. You go there your total stranger would be right next to you. You end up with a lifelong friend, you know, Sturgis is a lot the same way that like-minded people all hanging out together. And it just, it goes perfectly together. It's, it's almost like the, the, the theme of Sturgis and the tradition and the respect comes from a no tolerance kind of attitude. Mm -hmm. It's almost like if you F up, you're not welcome here. Kind of attitude. Yeah. If you're going to show your ass, you're not welcome here. You come here for a good time and to celebrate America, celebrate freedom, celebrate Harleys. Indian has a big presence there. I don't know the difference. I know that Indian, for they say, builds a hell of a bike. Harley has a huge complex there. Indian has a huge showing there. Um, and then I made a comment one day to our mutual friend, Possum, who I love Possum. But they said, I said, man, it's like Harley's are like the only bike people ride. Then he started pointing out, no, that's an Indian. I'm like, oh shit. I, I just assumed they were all Harleys, but there were a lot of Indians. One thing though, you know, you can talk about that no tolerance kind of attitude if you want. But one thing that I didn't see there was choppers. 
And I asked Possum one day, we were in a sling, a Polaris slingshot going, going for some cool ass rides. I want to get into Deadwood and I want to get into full throttle and all that. But, um, I said, what's up with, like, we went by this little area complex on the way to, I believe, I believe it was between Sturgis and the full throttle saloon. And there was this chopper builder out there. And and Possum's like, dude, he he usually has 15 bikes out here for sale. I'm like, well, why doesn't he have any? He's like, because nobody buys them anymore. Yeah. And he's like, it was a fad that the Tuttles and these TV shows, there was like a fad, I guess, in America, just like there's fads and everything else. You know, in duck hunting, there's fads. And in this, like right now, the fad is let's shoot them with a 28 gauge. Well, really, I like a 12 gauge, whatever. But there was no, I didn't see very, very few choppers being ridden. Most of them, well, not most of them, that's unfair to say, but there's a ton of whatever the bikes are called, like, like I would consider like a BMW bike. Baggers. What are those? Huh? Baggers, they're called. Bag Because they Bagger. got side bags? Yeah. But what do they call it? Touring like bike? Like a touring bike. Yeah. And then, and then some had a sidecar, but they're yeah. like these big touring bikes that you could, they got Bluetooth and freaking radio and air conditioner, like you need an air conditioner, a bike, but they have everything. Oh yeah. Like everything in these bikes. And then the helmets are like a thousand a piece. Or they're something. all painted to match and all that stuff. Yeah. Like it's crazy to see how I many, but there's very few choppers. Yeah. That, that fad died. They, and it, it was huge. You know, like you said, back in the two thousands, it'll come back. I mean, I think, you think so. Yeah. I think it, it's like, you were, you were a big OCC watcher, weren't you? Oh yeah. Are they, I know that the old man and Paul fight, Paul started his own, but did they have to break off? And I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just, it's along the same theme of choppers. Have they had to change their business approach and not, and they're not building as many choppers anymore? I don't think so. I, I, I don't even think they, I would be surprised if they even do it at all anymore. Really? None of those, none of those. Jesse James still builds choppers. I mean, there's some guys Do that they still build, build motorcycles them. though. I, I bet you they don't. I, I mean, unless they got onto the bagger movement, you know, like you, the, the touring bikes are all pretty much anybody does anymore. Really. I mean, I think old school bikes are coming back around, but obviously very hard to find and very expensive. Um, but everybody's on that kick. They call them big wheel baggers you know they got the front wheels like a 30 inch wheel and you know they do all the custom paint and all that stuff they all custom body work they stretch the the tanks and fenders and all that stuff and that's that's what's in right now and then uh performance baggers are are in now too which is like a street bike you know crotch rocket kind of a of a harley so they they take their bags way up so that they can lay them over on their side like a race bike does, you know, and they put the biggest motor they can put on them and all that kind of stuff. And then they try and ride them as fast as they can. It's actually they're actually doing like a racing circuit around it. So those are those are popular, too. But choppers, choppers have been around since like the 60s. So that's why I think they'll come back eventually, you know, that I just think they got way a lot of it, you know, like you said, those OCC guys and and uh, guys like Jesse James and stuff like that, they they took them to huge extremes and they made them to where like your normal guy couldn't afford one anymore. You know what I mean? It was a those Orange County chopper bikes were 80, you know, to two hundred thousand dollars. And I think Jesse James bikes started, you know, a hundred thousand dollars and they just got to a point where the the normal guy couldn't afford one. And so, you know, they died off. And 
I think the baggers are kind of getting the same way the where you, these guys are building these motorcycles and then selling them for 50, 60, 70, 80,000 bucks and the you know your normal everyday motorcycle rider has a hard time spending that much money on a bike. So well I'm looking at Tuttle and I'm I can't really like you can't go like there are some choppers being built, but it looks like for the most part, he's like doing some stuff with e-bikes and like these custom e-bikes, you know, like those electronic bicycles. Yeah. He's like doing some cool build outs on those. So maybe something in the car business. Yeah, I think he used to do. Uh, I think he used to do some custom car work, too. Yeah. Dude, I, I honestly can't tell. We are reopening the chopper. He's still in the chopper business, but I, it doesn't look like he's pushing them as hard as he once was. Yeah, I don't. I don't think there's a market for him anymore. There's not. That's crazy, though. Um, I always wondered how much of the drama was realistic. I think it was, man. I mean, I'm sure they embellished some of it, but I really do think he and his father didn't get along. And then I think when they when you know they started to see some success, I think his kid, you know, I think he may may have let some of that go to his head, or you know, just he quit maybe showing up to do the work that his dad thought he should have been doing. I don't know. Yeah, it was, it's kind of a weird thing because <laughs> the old man you can't take it away from him that that was his idea, that was his baby. Yeah, he started as an iron worker. As an iron worker, and he turns it into that. And then, but I don't know. I don't know, like that generational business, you know, like how much of it was for TV. But I heard the story of how it started where they went up to that area to film something else. And the producer of this reality, I wish I knew the details. I had to find, but they hear of this Tuttle family and they go over there for like one day and watch them just ripping into each other. Like, this is where the show is going to be. And it wasn't even supposed to happen. They were up there to film something else. I remember the story kind of, but I, I got to get the details straight. But back to Sturgis. what What is it about... I don't know how to say this, but... Why would a bike rider want to go there that time of year? Is it all tradition? Because to me, it's overcrowded. It's dangerous. It's noisy. Um, it's hot. It was hot as hell. Oh my God. You know what I'm saying? Why, why the big gatherings, the, the, they call it a rally. I get Bernie man has that. That's their event where once a year they convert. There's these bike rallies all over. There's Daytona there. We used to have one here. I don't know if we still have it. street vibrations. Mm -hmm. We still have it. Um, there's bike rallies everywhere. Oh yeah. Smaller ones than Sturgis, but I heard Daytona is pretty big. It's like the second biggest, that and Sturgis, but why, why, why go there that time of year and g have to go through, uh, it's gotta be tradition and camaraderie, right? Yeah. hundred percent. And I mean, to a degree, I think that, you know, guys that ride bikes and stuff, they, you know, it's obviously heavily driven by like the vendors, you know what I mean? So like, if you wanted to, if you wanted new wheels put on your bike, you know, that's a great place to go down. They usually have like a show special, you know, 
or exhaust pipes or, you know, whatever. That's part of it. There's a lot of people that go, they, they want to go to the vendors. I always say it, it's like the same cheap sunglasses and leather jackets at every event. You know what I mean? If you go to Street Vibrations, you go to Sturgis, you go to uh, Arizona Bike Week, whatever. It's, you know, the same sunglass vendor, the same shirt vendors, you know, the same leather jackets, all that stuff, you know, is kind of the same. But yeah, so it's just camaraderie and, and, you know, when you have a bike, that's part of it, you know, is you, you're looking for events and and reasons to ride your bike, you know, so you could, you could jump on your bike anytime you want and go get dinner or go, you know, whatever, but people want an excuse to go for like a long ride. Like, did you go on any rides while you were there? Cause oh, you, yeah. you didn't ride out there. Did you? We didn't ride. We took a trailer, a toy hauler. Cause we camped. You camp, uh, so you get there, and then like we were staying at the Jack House. There was a couple family members of some of the Jack guys that came in from Virginia and Ohio, and they rode their bikes all the way. But every day they had a different ride. Like one time they went to the hills, one time they went mm-hmm. to Rushmore, one time they went to Montana. So what do you do? Like get on a Facebook Live group that people are going to be at Sturgis, and you schedule these rides so you know where to be in the morning to take off because there's like sixty riders in one of these groups. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like how do you even get get into one of these rides? You meet at a bar the night before, and they're like, hey, we're going to Rushmore tomorrow. It seemed like they were scheduled out, though. Like, they knew where they were going to be. A lot of them are like those – they call it the Harley owner group. So, like, you can join them in whatever area you live in. And then, yeah, they're on, like – you know, they're, like, on a a big organized deal. And they're they're organized to, like, where you ride in that, you know, procession of bikes and how you ride and stuff – we went with well, I went with another buddy, Billy, on his bike. Um, but then there was a group from Reno. I had actually two groups uh, from Reno people that I knew that went to Sturgis, and yeah, we would just text in the morning and say, "Hey, meet us at that, you know, Sinclair's. We're going to ride to Mount Rushmore today, or we're going to ride to Deadwood today, or whatever." You know, I don't do like the, I don't do the huge, you know four or 500 miles. There was people, like you said, riding to Montana and riding to, you know, three, 400 miles one way, you know, in a different direction, just to purely enjoy their motorcycles. You know, I went more to Sturgis for the, the event, you know what I mean? So we, like the day we went to Deadwood, we parked our bikes and we stayed in Deadwood all day, just walking, you know, bar to bar to bar restaurant, whatever, you know, there was a bike show, um, had lunch, you know, had dinner. The day we did Rushmore, we rode quite a bit just because I, we went with a group of guys that that's what they were into was the long rides, you know? So we rode like 250 miles that day and saw all those kind of sights, which was cool to see. I'm glad that I did that, you know, because there was days that we never left Sturgis, you know, we would go downtown and like I said, go to all those cool bars and vendors and venues and, you know, watch the bands play, do all that, stay out all night, you know, and, and, I think there was a day so I never even started my motorcycle. Oh yeah, every night. I, mean, I I could never go like every year, dude. It took me like a week to recover, dude. Two was, weeks. Have you rode your bike since? I haven't heard of you riding your Harley since Sturgis last year. I have. Uh, I just rode around Tahoe last week or the week before yeah, that. I wouldn't recommend that right now. No, that's the pro. Right, it's been so smoky here, and uh, so would you go back to Sturgis? Oh yeah, I'd. I, I could go now, like. This next year coming up, I would go. I'm gonna be there. Are you gonna go? I'll go. Yeah, we'll hang. I'd love to. Can I get a? Can I have like a 
special day in the jack tent you come yeah every day dude it's a blast you, you talk it looked about fun on your you stories. talk about celebrity kevin the barrel man is a freaking bona fide sturgis celebrity i'm talking lines a mile long to get his autograph well jack daniels and motorcycles are like hand in glove right i mean why it's dude that's the that's the brand dude like if you go to a bar like no biker dudes ordering anything but jack daniels you know, shots, all, all, everywhere you go, a beer and a shot of Jack Daniels. I've never seen Jack Daniels bought or sold this way. Like at a bar, I'd be like, everybody orders Jack Daniels. And it's then it. you go to the liquor store and it's Jack. It's all, Jack. It's all they drink. It's it, literally, no, they, they don't order anything else. Jack and Jack, that's it. <laughs> Jack, and Jack, Jack and Jack. There's no, they don't order, you know, any, any other frilly shot or chaser or nothing. Just... Jack Black, man, I th- I think it's been that way forever. It's just I want to I got to do some research and do another one after next year's surges. I want to know how all of that happened. It's almost seriously like these landowners just said, "Dude, if this many people are coming here, let's start a campground out here and put a stage up. We'll make profit." After I mean, it is not cheap to hire Kid Rock. No, it's just not. But it's so exp- <laughs> I, I mean, dude. So our campsite, it's a campsite. Yeah, how much is it to get Tw- in the boat? $2,200 for one week at Sturgis in a campsite, See, dude. so that just proves my point of the money being spent in that place. Oh, yeah. Because there's the, there, every campsite was full. Oh, yeah. And all the houses that are in Sturgis are all, all Airbnbs. All Airbnbs out. And they're all, they're dude, all ours, sold ours, out. Ours was 37 minutes out of town. Going that, towards like full throttle and all that stuff? Yeah, because COVID... Yeah, yeah. You release the house because nobody's going, and then all of a sudden people go in and they book them all up for the next year. We found one; it was awesome. I'm glad it did because it was up in the country. It was awesome. Um, have you? There's this Italian restaurant. It's called. Uh, gosh dang it! I'll have to find that out too. But there's this little farmhouse that they turned it into an Italian restaurant during the rally, and it, you ought to see how many bikes are in that place. That ride up this canyon to get to this place. It's unfreaking believable how many bikers. They have live music every night. They don't have a liquor license because I heard a liquor license is like a half a million dollars to oh, get in South Dakota. So they have a beer and wine license, and they're serving like one meal. Like you can get the lasagna. And the next night you get the ravioli. And it just sells out like that. Like Wednesday night was lasagna night. We had to order ours the night before because it sells out by 3 o'clock the next day. That is one thing that the food there I did not think was good. I did not go to that Italian place. But it was like every – we ate at one nice place in Deadwood, but other than that, it was like it was like fair food. You and, know what I mean? And, but but well, like not thing. good fair food. But here's the deal, though: is that it's funny you say that because even those restaurants that have the 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 ability to turn out better food, like that Loud American before the rally starts, they do steak bites grilled. Well, during the during the rally, you can only have them fried. Because they're pushing out so many, they're mm-hmm. not going to take the time to go, do you want medium rare or do you want medium? They're not going to do it because it's just a continuous line of people coming in there. Oh, yeah. And the amount of merch being sold. Huh. Holy shit, dude. They are selling Sturgis shirts and handkerchiefs and face masks and trinkets like I've never seen before. Yeah. The Harley place there, the Indian place, like Indian I, was right next door to Jack. They, they make some pretty cool little bikes, that little roadster bike they have. I'm not a bike guy. I'm not, I've never, I, I'm not a street bike guy, but- the culture of it interests me because I don't understand the club scene. I've tried to watch three documentaries 
on biker gangs since I got back. I can't I can't get through ten minutes of them. Is there ever been a good documentary made about a biker gang? Are the Sons of Anarchy worth watching? Because I've only watched one episode and I couldn't get into it. But is there anything good out there? I want people to write in. I want you to tell me, like, is there anything good I can watch? A documentary on biker gangs. I don't want to watch Gangland and all those episodes again. I want to know, like, why do people get into this? Is it lucrative? Are these guys running so much, you know what, that they're making a ton of money being in these biker gangs? I don't get why you want to be in one when it's almost like you know you're going to get in a gang fight someday and have somebody after your ass. I don't know this for a fact. I think that's, that's what they're looking for. They want to be, like, wanted. They want to be, yeah. like, sought out. This guy had – they said he had a – they had a – the, this one group had a green light on this other guy, of uh, this other gang. And they were going to finish it. They tried to finish it all week, I guess. Oh, yeah. I well, left. I don't know <laughs> if they got him. At, I, I left on the the Friday. I had to go to Texas, to Fort Worth. I don't know if they got him during that weekend. You know that that's what the Laughlin River Run, which is down by Vegas, has never been the same. They had a huge shootout that was all over TV and stuff. That. And then uh, in the Reno, you brought up Street Vibrations that ruined the – I mean, ours has never been the same. They don't allow anybody to wear any kind of – they call them colors or cuts or whatever anywhere. So that means those guys, you know, they won't come. Or if they come, they stay on the outskirts of town and they don't, you know, engage in the event anymore. And it just hurts the numbers, you know, that – yeah, it's – they. It, they're like any other, you know, rivalry that when they see each other, man, they they go at it. And yeah, I, I don't get it either. But I mean, they're also that's what they want to live outside of the norm. There there is a um there's a really good page on Instagram, and I don't remember what it's called right now, but this dude looks at a lot of the the clubs from like the 60s which is when a lot of them started you know 40s 50s 60s guys coming home from the war and they wanted that you know they wanted to freak people out so to speak you know but show he's got a lot of old like archived memorabilia from those old school um club days and those guys you know that they they they're just very anti-establishment. You know what I mean? So, But being anti-establishment, are they also, we'll stay in our lane and not mess with you if you leave us alone yeah, kind of attitude? 100%. At least all the all the ones I've ever ran into, you know, they're in their own, you know, kind of a world. It's their own scene. You know, that, yeah, if, if, if you don't bother them, they won't bother you. When it comes to, you know, like a normal person. Now, Law enforcement and stuff like that, I think, is a different story for them. You know, I don't, I just, I don't think they like authority and, like I said, they're anti-establishment. They're, um, but how can they be pro-military and anti? Because a lot of them are pro-military. Oh yeah. So how could you be anti-establishment and anti-authority when the military is fighting for our freedoms and the police officers are keeping those freedoms intact so people don't act out of line? Or do the Harley guys say we're not going to act out of line? But we will, we will go and take care of business if needed. Yeah, the, you yeah. hear stories all the time. Like they'll say, "We're going to come in and clean up an area." You know, I just heard that in this area. I heard that some biker gangs moving in here that to clean this mess we got going on in this part of the country. That'd be great. Yeah, I've never really wrapped my mind around that, but they are very pro country and pro military and all that. But then not 
obviously not law enforcement as far as your local police departments and you stuff would think like you'd that. You'd be though. You would think you'd support them because they want things to be kept in check. And as long as the cops aren't going and banging the door down at the clubhouse all the time and trying to mess with them, you'd think that they would work together. Um, illegal activity is illegal activity. You're not supposed to sell drugs. You're not supposed to run meth or any of the things that people do. You're not supposed to do that. So you you got to look at it a way of like they're they're just trying to uphold the law, right? And do their job. Mm-hmm. I, I see. That's another interesting thing is that all of them I met in Sturgis were awesome. They were cool to talk to. Mm-hmm. They were ex-military. They were athletes. They were they were different people, like totally different than what I'd be like. Oh, that guy's in a in a gang, right? They were totally transparent and talkative and fun. So, I mean, I don't know. I want to do some research. I guess you'd have to infiltrate it, right? And freaking see and see what they're really about. I grew up by a biker gang, you know. I was around <clears throat> a clubhouse for my whole childhood and was kind of scared of it. In reality, I don't know how much how scared you should be of them because all the ones I've met older in life, getting older in life, are all cool people. It's just a weird phenomenon to me of why be in the gang? Why yeah. be in the gang? And I think that goes back to camaraderie and you know you, you you're a you want to ride your bike, you want to ride your everybody that rides a bike wants to ride with other people for the most part. You know what I mean? It's not as fun to just jump on your motorcycle by yourself and go grab lunch, you know, but throw 10 bikes into it, you know, then it's like you said, you got that roar going up and down the street and everybody's looking at you and, you know, all that stuff. So I think it probably starts there. Right. And then you, you end up at a, at a bar and there's some guys that are in a club and they're all partying together. They're all riding together. You know, it's kind of like, Oh, maybe I should join up with those guys. And there's other reasons too. Like you touched on. I mean, I don't think, you know, I don't think anybody's hiding from that history, you know, but they've in the past all been drug runners or gun runners or people runners, you know, whatever. They've just always been outside of the, or, you know, on the fringe, I guess, as you'd say. And I don't know. I don't know what today's clubs are like, you know, I I imagine that stuff still goes on, but some of it is just the riding and camaraderie part of it. And, And different clubs are different things. You know, there's, there's clubs that are all cops and, you know, the guy I bought my first Harley from was in a club that was all firefighters and paramedics. And then there's, you know, there's clubs that are just, you know, whatever. So do you think that there's like set claims and vicinity claims? Like, oh yeah, the Crips are over here and the Bloods are over here. You stay off our block. We're cool. How do they get in the quarrels? Like it's out of disrespect. It's out of putting the wrong colors in the wrong place. Is it the same in these clubs of like, if you, if you're going to be in a club and you're just there for the camaraderie and you're there for the brotherhood and you're there for the ride and the excitement and the roar of the motor, the Harley or the Indian, then why the violence? Why are these clubs getting to the point to where, oh, you're in that club or we're enemies. Oh, we're support you. Oh, we got a green light on this guy. And they're, and they're actually shooting and killing. Like, that's a weird phenomenon to me too. Like baseball teams are a club. They're there to win a championship, but you don't see them. There's competitiveness, and they're like, you know, throw it high and in, high and tight, hit him, start a bench-clearing brawl, but it's pretty much over after that. Like, I don't understand the whole mindset of, we got a green light on this guy, we're killing. Like, what could they possibly do to to formulate or the, to deserve to be killed? If you read, or, <laughs> or like I said, that 
a lot of that a lot of it starts with at least the some of the stuff I've read, you know, guys that are in the same group, but then something happens and one guy will split off and then he starts his own, right? So, you know, you might have started as a whatever and then you get kicked out or you leave and then you you go start your own, you know, with a different name. And I think, you know, guys that just want to ride and stuff, there's clubs for them that they're not in that world. There's tons of them. There's a lot of clubs. Like I said, that Harley owner group is a club, you know, where they wear vests and they put that Harley owner group patch on them, but they're definitely, they're just to ride. But but what's funny is they've adopted that hierarchy just like the motorcycle clubs, you know, that... But they're anti-violence. Yeah. Though that's what I've learned is that most of those clubs are they don't yeah. they don't have any patience for the violence part of it. Right. That's where I that's where you know I I don't know enough about it to speak clearly on it. I just have find it hard to believe that somebody would want to get in a club where that stuff happens. I wouldn't go on a baseball team if I knew six times a you year. You were brawling every every other game. Yeah, I wouldn't uh, that or I had a hit on me every you know every other month. Well, wouldn't do it. Pitchers might throw at you. <laughs> yeah, but that's no. I, know. I don't know. That's a, it's a weird mindset. Like that 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 part of Sturges was very interesting to me um, to see them in the same area and knowing the animosity is there. I don't know if there's any mutual respect between any of those biker gangs. I don't know. Certain. I think some of them are allies. Yeah, yeah. I was and those say. ones have some mutual respect. But the ones, if you're an enemy, you're a freaking enemy. Oh yeah. But they're still around. And here's the other thing, they're like. It's not like they're trying to hide it and sneak up on somebody. They're wearing their their patches all over themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, they they want you to know who they are. To me, that's even crazy because that's like that's like wearing a bullseye on you. If you think about it, like if, you, if somebody's going to take somebody out, they know that that's you. But I guess if you're going to represent the gang or the club, you have to. Yeah, you have to not be scared of that. Maybe I'm just a pansy and I'm not tough enough to be in a motorcycle game. Have either. you ever considered that? <laughs> I thought about it. You thought have, about myself. Have you either. thought about getting into one? No. Fuck. What do you I, think the I initiation process is? Uh, it, like sundowners at UNR, you got to drink for like oh, yeah. 29 straight hours? Dude, I saw I saw videos and stuff. With, they'll pour motor oil all over you, piss all over you, freaking pour beers all over you. There's a whole, you know, there's a whole like prospecting point like a lot of the big clubs it's like a year yeah they wear it on their their Dude, their patch right? you're Prospect. washing motorcycles you, you know they'll have a huge party but you'll be the guy standing outside watching all the motorcycles you go pick up the guy's girlfriends you know you like you're basically just a a, a peon for a year you know to get into some of those clubs some probably longer than a year you know where they're feeling you out and yeah it, it's a it's a huge deal. And the bigger the bigger groups, it's a lifetime commitment. You know what lifetime. I mean? And that's the other thing I was just gonna go into is the generational part of it. Well, once you're in and you have a girlfriend, you get married, now she's in. And what does that mean? Like is there is is it one girl for each guy? Like is it just like uh, everybody's a couple? That's one thing I was seeing down there, like, whoa, is this like You see they wear property of? Like the chicks will wear, you know, property of and then it'll have a dude's name. Yes. So they leave those girls alone. All the other girls around, they're for everybody, dude. Oh, wow. And then what about kids? They grow up in, in the, this lifestyle? Oh, yeah. 
So oh, they yeah. go to the clubhouse with their mom and dad, or I'm sure once they get old enough, do they do? Well, how old's old enough? Probably not very old. So where the do 16, they stay? Does the mom a motorcycle, stay? Man? Do they? The mom stays at their house while the guy is there? Just meetings at the clubhouse, or do they all live there? No, no, no. They just have meetings and parties and stuff. And they're all just regular family guys that have their own so like their own walks of life and their own day jobs. Uh, yeah, some, and then some just that that their whole life is. But being do you in see it. my line of questioning? How interesting this study would be. Like if we need to go back to college and do a thesis paper on motorcycle gangs and pick one and do it on the HAs or whatever one you do. Like I want to know why. It's interesting to me. That, it's in, it's freaking interesting because it's not like you go, hey, I'm gonna go on a motorcycle ride. And you're in this for life. There's a lot of good. There's a lot of good information out there that you can you can get. You know, they had the FBI. I think his name was George Christie infiltrated the Hells Angels and lived with them for like a year. And yeah, I saw that. I started watching that documentary, but it was not very well done. I don't, now I, look, I, I'm I'm a snob when it comes to documentaries. I only yeah. like a couple different styles, and it was not my style, so I didn't. I watch saw it. there's there is a good one. There's a bad one that's probably we're talking about the same one, and then there is a good one. You know what documentaries I hate is when it's like narrated with an interview, and it, either they're blurred out or it's a really dark room and they're lit up, and then they like reenact all the scenes. Yeah, like they got all these like fake ass actors acting out yeah. the gang fight. I'm like, no, that style of documentary is not for me. I like the videotape was running. Yeah, the entire time the last twenty years, and we're able to go in and get all this footage off of it, and it's all real. That's what I like too. Yeah. Because they're not documentaries the other way. They're yeah, acting. It's just a sitcom. It, that or it's like somebody's account of what happened. Yeah. Like there's this Harley one out there. Did I interrupt you? No. There's this Harley one out there where this guy that quit the Harley is like turning all this evidence and telling all these stories what happened his whole career from his prospect days to his initiation days to his HA days. And then it's all reenacted. And I'm like, well, how much of this is true? You know what I mean? Like, Yeah. That's it, one guy's account. It's one guy's yeah. account of what was going on. So that that's I turned it off. I watched literally like I got through three quarters of an episode. And I'm like I'm over. I was so excited when I found it, and then I was like I'm never watching it again. But I want to learn. Like it'd be cool to go to like a live semester. They should offer this this part in history of this kind of what do you call this? It's not pop culture, but it's society, huh? Counter counter culture. Like how uh, what? Irks or what makes somebody want to get into a motorcycle game? It would be now, cool look, to here. It, it's different than being on the streets. I think you think 100%. about it, like if you grow up on the streets and you got to be part of something and that's what you reach out to. And that's how a lot of those gangs have come about in our, in society. That's how those kids survive. Yeah. Whether it's Compton or whether it's St. Louis or whether it's Chicago or wherever, that's part of the street mentality. Um, But these guys are like, come from all different walks of life mm -hmm. and they form this gang. I don't, there's gotta be a mindset to it. You know, what's kind of funny is you touched on it earlier. Like it's kind of like Sturgis in a way where, you know, there's guys that all they have is their motorcycle, you know, in their vest and that group and that's everything. And then there's, you know, there's like a very well-known attorney in Las Vegas who's part of the hell's angels so he's on the other side of that spectrum, right? He's financially sound and like is an attorney nine to five on, you know, the, on the normal days of the week. And then 
rides with the HA on the other side. So it's kind of like Sturgis and it's all walks of life come into that group and I, and I, or those groups in general, not just them, but um, it would be interesting to, to talk to some of them. I, I don't think they share too much of what they do. Um, but it'd be interesting if, if we could meet and discuss some of that I with would them. like be cool you to, to put that together and get one of them on this podcast. I probably could. I want to know what's going on with motor. Okay. You just brought up another good point of what I saw. And I'm, I don't know if you noticed this, but I'm going to find the name of it. Um, I just want to make sure I have the names. Damn it. It's this guy's name. Are you talking about the attorney? Yeah. The law tiger? No, that's the first one, but there's another new guy. Dude, the amount of advertising around Sturgis, yes. I was just like, they sponsored every bar. They had blow, like it was the most there was. It was but, the most but it wasn't advertising the law there tiger was. or whatever he said. Yeah, the law tigers is one of them, and there's this other one that's got this guy's name, and it's got the big yeah, chrome yeah, yeah. wings I'd coming exactly out. Exactly, you're talking about. Isn't that crazy? It blew uh, my mind. Like this dude must be worth a mint to spend this much. But he's in Vegas. He's in Sacramento. I've seen his billboards everywhere now. He must like hire local attorneys out and then market some under his name from across the country. Russ Brown. <laughs> Russell Brown. Yep, dude. So he was he his stuff was there, but that Law Tiger thing. I think I still have it in my motorcycle. They were giving away. Um, it was a thing that held your. Uh, like your registration, your insurance card, whatever. And then on the back of it is like what you should do if you're pulled over. Because I'm sure you noticed how heavy the uh, legal presence is in Sturgis. And that was one of the things that they have zero tolerance for speeding, drinking and riding, doing burnouts, any of that stuff that is synonymous with motorcycle riding and motorcycle events, you know, everybody wants to do a burnout. Everybody's drinking. Yep. But the, what was crazy about Sturgis is at 2 a.m. If your bike is still on the street at Sturgis, they tow it. So like you can't get drunk and leave your bike and leave your bike. So you're always like on this fine line. If you're drinking of, you can't have too many that you can't get your bike home or like, I think I sent you that guy's information. He has that limousine. It's like an international scout. He's got two of them. That redneck limo. Or yeah, yeah. 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 So he, he drives a lot of people around because we, we try to get him. You can't even get them. They're so busy. Oh, was he super? So he was pretty accessible when we were well, there. Plus we were so far away from town. We were too far. Oh, they yeah. couldn't get their limos around the curves up the Canyon. So yeah. They don't even mess with it. But so that little thing that that law place gave you, you know, what to do if you're pulled over, you know, it was all these instructions. I still, I still have it in my motorcycle. Or I could not believe though the Dude, advertising. That Russell Brown, he was he outnumbered advertising the Law Tiger big time. Like every corner of every big bar had a blow up eagle on it, you know, with those, mm-hmm. those wings of his logo. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And then I mean, you saw a lot of Law Tigers. Like there'd be a Jack Daniels bottle on top of a bar with the Law Tiger right next to mm-hmm. it. That guy right there. Yeah. <laughs> that dude, They, his marketing budget, I was like, they must be getting clients like there's no tomorrow from motorcycle accidents or DUI, whatever it is. Yep. But, but he's he's got a national presence now. I was blown away 
by that. What else was I blown away by in Sturgis? I was really blown away by the amount of respect. Like you'd see a guy riding down the street, like looking for a parking spot and you'd hear a honk and it'd be another biker. that would be like, Hey, or they'd wave him down. Like, Hey, I'm right down here. Turn around. I'll let you park. Cause We're you leaving. can't get a yeah. parking spot. We're leaving back into here. Like that's cool. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause they, there's like that kind of a mutual respect there. And there's not like no eyeballing, no big leaguing, no like stare downs. It's like, hey, how you doing? Where are you from? What's going on? How you doing, son? Like, sit down. You know, like it's almost like every table turns into like a family style dining. You go into like the loud American and there'd be three people sitting at a six topper. They'd be like, sit down, share mm-hmm. with us. Then it turns into a freaking Louis Bass Corner, you know, like family style dining where you're just meeting new friends, kind of like you talked about at the chip. That's or what, at the at the campground. When we went to the Loud American, uh, they had a bunch of bands playing there one night and it was so packed. But yeah, people would be like, Hey, two of you, you know, come over here. And yeah. they'd have two extra seats at their at their Isn't table. Isn't that place crazy how you got the inside band going on, then you walk around the corner and the outside band's yeah. going on? And the amount of alcohol. Dude, I want to own a liquor company in Sturgis. A bar in Sturgis Jack that Daniels. week, you're That's good. That's what you need in Sturgis. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if Jack Daniels will sell to us. You need a distributorship need a for the billion, two weeks. Six billion. Yeah, that's crazy how how that town works, and then it just shuts down. And you know what? I mean, I shouldn't say all, but everyone that's camping, like we brought tons of our own booze, but you still go buy way more in town, right? I mean, like we would we would hang out at our our camp and have you know a couple beers or whatever. But you go when you get to downtown at night. I mean, it's like you said, it's just non-stop the the one-eyed jacks the uh there's a girl that lives here in town and she is in charge of bringing all those bartenders and go-go girls and all that stuff for the one-eyed jacks and that's literally there she goes up i think a week before it opens and then the full two weeks of the rally and then i think she's there a week after so she's there for like a month and some of those girls that's like their job for the year is they go work one Sturgis. Girl, one girl at Kid Rock made seven grand yeah. in tips that night. One girl, not split. That's after splitting. Yeah. Seven grand. Mm-hmm. It's insane. You saw the pictures of that crowd? Yeah. Did it not blow your mind? Oh. What, do you follow Buffalo Chip online? Yeah. Uh, somebody else, somebody famous uh, posted a video of it. And it was funny because you had your story going and they were close to you. God, who was it? We had the most badass setup up there. You guys had a good, you guys were in a good spot. Will you please look at that? Ah, It's nuts, dude. Here, you want to hear Kid Rock's opening line? Listen to this over there. Was everybody wearing masks? This will get you an idea of what Sturgis was all about. Him playing on that. That's how he started off, right? When he came out on stage before the music started. Get away from the microphone. Hey, yo, this little bitch ass snowflake. Motherfuckers want to cancel Dude. <laughs> 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 oh. Dude, he rocked it for two hours. And isn't it cool how the bikes like line up and when they when they approve of a show, the, a song, they're like, rah, rah, rah. they don't oh, yeah. let him park in front of the stage anymore, though. I was looking so forward to seeing that part of the Buffalo Chip. I guess they used to let them be like the first four rows. It was all bikes. 
and they would just rah, rah. they couldn't do it during a song out of respect for the performer but they would they would do it to like applaud it was their applause did you uh you know he's coming here next in october yeah at the are you going amphitheater i'd love to i got tickets yeah then i'm we'll going. talk about it uh did you did you see the burnout pit at full throttle saloon did you go to that yeah pretty nuts what about that globe that that guy rides in oh the wheel of death that that's her the steel cage or the there's steel, the boardwalk one the boardwalk one was closed I oh, was it? when i was there it wasn't going on but yeah but dude, the ball, that's that the big steel bridge look, that big that big bridge looking thing yeah the dude, dude right. it's almost like that guy went to burning man and goes i'm gonna build a bar after burning man there was school buses that were up on their ass in like this there was all these monuments and artwork and steel work and iron work and fabrication and welding and all this stuff. Then there's a tattoo shop, a gun shop, a silencer shop, mm-hmm. a restaurant, a coffee shop, a b- b- bars everywhere. Did you, and you've seen him, right? That Michael. That uh, guy used to be on TV, right? They yeah, used to have big, a show. Big dreadlocks and all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, it was cool to see. I, I'm intrigued, like you're intrigued about, you know, f- for. 345 days this thing doesn't exist and then for 20 days it does you know and and the money the money dude the money is insane the money that i saw just in the campground behind where we were there's a campground up against the mountain where the big letters are that say sturgis Mm -hmm. we went up there we one of the houses was up there that house right by the sturgis sign that's up on the mountain you know like they got the n here for nevada or the r for reno Sturge is written up there. That campground right there, I've never... Dude, there was so many prevosts in there. Like, it looked like country music singers in there with their whole fleet. Oh, yeah. The amount of money. I don't know. That's breaking it down. We're going to get some more details on Sturgis. More facts. Come back with another show after next year's rally. I'm going again. It's awesome. I'm glad I went. Thank you, Jack Daniels. Not just for bringing us to Sturgis, but for supporting us here. Being the presenting sponsor, this life ain't for everybody. Breaking it down with Chad Belding and Alex Crosby. I do want to learn this. We're going to write a paper. We're going to get some more knowledge on motorcycle clubs, gangs, Sturges, the Rally, the Black Hills, Deadwood. I did say Wild Bill Cody. It's Hickok. I apologize for that. Too many names running through my mind. Hope you all enjoyed that. Should we go out with it? No, let's go out with Brent Cobb still. He's a, he's a Harley rider's love him motorcycle riders love brent cobb for alex crosby i'm chad belling thank you all so much for the downloads the subscriptions and listening to this life ain't for everybody breaking it down this is brent cobb the morning's gonna come